This is County Fire Insight for Thursday, July 15, 2021. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for the July Insight. I wanted to start off by recognizing July as the National Sarcoma Month. As you've seen, Jeremy, Jeremy Pentagraph's done a good job. He's got some t-shirts that we can wear on and off duty. Those are available at Fire Stations 221, 71, 91, 41, and 305. Jeremy, thank you for consistent leadership through this. Um, obviously with our brother, Corey Norton, through the years. And for those of you that are taking cancer very seriously in our organization and looking, how can we reduce the risk to our firefighters? Just wanna let you know that we really appreciate it. Recently, executive staff and I met with Chief Hubble and we started discussing live scan and how can we make this option maybe available to our memberships in the future on a voluntary basis. We're exploring everything we can to not only reduce cancer, but how do we catch it quicker to reduce it. Uh, Mel, I wanna speak a little bit on Mel donations. Thank, there's a lot of requests out right now for a variety of different ailments. And I wanna thank all of you that have been donating Mel to our, our often injured employees. Uh, specifically towards Ron Good as he fights his battle with cancer. I did ask uh, Bridget Medina to uh, join us. Bridget's one of our HR business uh, partners. And as, as we walked around, I've had a lot of questions from our general employees about telework. Now we've asked all our employees to come back to work and to physically be in seat as uh, we're, we're gathering up or recovering from COVID. But there was a lot of efficiencies that we discovered by allowing telework and doing a hybrid program so as I mentioned, there was a lot of people coming on over here, Bridget. There's a lot of people that are asking me questions about this. So I figured I would ask Bridget to introduce herself and then speak quickly on that. Hi, my name is Bridget Medina. I'm one of the HR business partners assigned to FIRE. So I know that you've had a lot of questions about telework and where we're at with that. So if you um, have any concerns about returning to the workplace due to COVID and you have been telecommuting, please let your immediate supervisor know and we can engage in a conversation uh, about the feasibility of that. Whether it's due to an outbreak in the office, medically related or as a result of childcare issues, we do wanna take into consideration your individual circumstances, um, but we still need to make sure we maintain the same level of customer service to our constituents that we serve. So keep in mind, this is a fluid process and the direction we are taking today may change with the condition of the pandemic. Thank you, I appreciate it. Abby, as long as you're here, why don't you come here real quick? And this is a surprise to Abby Kidu. And, and Abby is our other HR business partner and you come with a strong background and benefits and you wanna explain real quick what you're doing for County Fire? Sure. Um, well, I started my career with TAD um, and I joined the HR team. In 2016, I have an extensive background in benefits, so I'm able to assist with questions and concerns and issues on that. I also supported, um, prior to my position as HRBP, I also supported recruitment efforts uh, with Department of Public Health and ISMA. And so now I'm able to use that knowledge and leverage um, to help assist um, County Fire with all of their recruitment needs as well. Thank you, Abby, I appreciate You're it. Welcome. And I've asked Captain Turner to be with us today. And Nick's gonna talk a little bit about the pending tower, some of the preparation that's been going on. Uh, Nick and I had a few minutes before this started, and I mentioned that I recently attended a round table across the nation of, um, of fire chiefs. And the number one concern with the fire chiefs was the ability to recruit. Matter of fact, I mentioned in Dallas, Texas, all they want is 18 years old and driver's license, and they're having trouble recruiting firefighters. 
Um, you mentioned that, that some places are, are looking at ways to attract firefighters, maybe with bonuses and things like that. That was interesting. And then we kind of transitioned and how important it is to make sure we have a robust explorer program. And then you popped in with an idea on ROP and, and talking a little about how you might integrate that in the tower for future firefighters. Yeah, throughout the, uh, throughout the county, we have a lot of high schools that have ROP programs. That's a great pool of resources. So we're hoping uh, over this next tower with the team that we have in place, we can really go ahead and really explore those options to maybe re reach out to, for example, Rim of the World High School, who has a pretty robust uh, ROP program. Uh, the hope is, is that we can start to bring down some of these uh, high school uh, students to come and see what we're doing and explain to them who County Fire is and what we do and what a career with the County Fire looks like. And you know, the beautiful part as well, we could have some of those students speak to the recruits who are in those seats right now and find out how they were successful and how they got to join our organization. Every one of us is a recruiter and I would like to ask everybody to start thinking three to five years at where's our potential workforce going to come from. Come up with ideas like that. We may not do every single one, but if we can empower you to be that recruiter, if we can empower uh, special programs, help you as, an, as a uh, as a leader with our Explorer, or if you're involved in Fire OP, anything that we can do to support you, please reach out to us through your chain of command and let us know. Thank you, Nick, for that idea. Uh, if you could talk a little bit on the fire tower, I'd appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, we have the Tower 12 starting. It's gonna be starting on August 2nd. At this time, we have 22 recruits uh, who are ready to go and looking forward to joining uh, the department. Uh, we have uh, added some cadre members to this tower with the hope that we can really build our cadre so that we can hopefully be able to have two teams of cadres. If that happens, then we'll be able to run more towers and get more people into the department. So that's kind of the back end work that we're doing right now. We have eight cadre members that are starting in this tower uh, and myself and Captain Leidner are going to be uh, running the tower. Uh, we have five other cadre members who um, Unfortunately, we couldn't have them on the team this time, but Tower 13, we're looking forward to having them come and join the team, so that way we can have a core group of 15 personnel that we can split up into an A cadre and a B cadre. Uh, that way we can run multiple towers and fulfill the needs that we can to really help try and uh, fix the staffing crisis that we're in. Um, the tower concludes on the 2nd of December. So hopefully that should bring some uh, much needed relief prior to the holidays. So we're gonna try and get uh, them out on the floor, ready to go so you can get home, hopefully be with your families for the Christmas. Uh, we've got some exciting things happening at uh, the Trading Tower. We've got some new buildings. Uh, we have a recruit office now, so the recruits are gonna have a place to break, have lunch, it's gonna be hot this tower, so it'll be air conditioned, a place for them to change and just really try and make it a bit more professional for them. And we also have a new uh, cadre office uh, it's the first building when you go in, so feel free to come by. We'd love to see you guys and uh, share any information that you think we might need to be improve on and do better. Uh, the tower, um, obviously we're doing ALA testing now. The big change for this tower, what we're doing is we are going to be switching the testing from being at the end of the tower to in the tower. So it's going to be a lot more synergistic and working together. Uh, the hope is I think we're going to be a lot more successful uh, with that. We've also added, uh, we're trying to dovetail into the great work that a lot of our committees have done, such as the high-rise committee. Uh, so we're gonna be adding in high-rise operations to the tower and more scenario days so our guys and gals come out better uh, suited to hit the floor. Um, also, I'd like to do a big congratulations to the Tower 11 uh, probationary, soon to be non-probationary firefighters who did an outstanding job at their testing. 
uh, from all of me and my cadre and my team. Great job, you really nailed it and we're really proud of you. So keep going forward, keep pushing. Um, if you have any questions regarding the tower, I would love to help out in any way we can, try and make things better. We're always open to suggestions. So thank you and uh, appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Nick, and please thank all your tower members. It's, it's, it's a huge sacrifice to come off the floor working 24-hour shifts. You guys aren't just there 10 hours or 8 hours. You're spending the vast majority of the day and leaving late at night and getting there before all the recruits. Thank you for your efforts and your leadership. The lateral process is still moving forward. As I mentioned in the email that I sent out uh, last week, there was about 35 laterals that applied that have made it through the screening process. That process is continuing. We're gonna get those folks onboarded as soon as we can. They're gonna go through a short orientation and be able to get out on the floor to start bolstering our firefighter paramedic ranks. In addition, we have the additional tower that's going to be starting later this year. In the ambulance operator, I'll speak a little bit, um, I think there were some questions that we received, I'll speak a little bit more about that here in a minute, but we are going to a continuous recruitment of paramedics in that ambulance operator rank. And we also have this thought that instead of having ambulance operator EMT positions, let's just create all of them paramedics positions and then underfill with EMTs. And what that allows us to do is to have an AO EMT underfilling that paramedic, but as soon as they get through school and get through their testing, we could fill that then as an ambulance operator paramedic to continue to fill those ranks. So there's some great innovative ideas that we're working through with the HR process to speed it up. And we're gonna take some of these techniques and bring them down to the firefighter paramedic rank too as we continue to put a strong emphasis on making sure that we're filling up our ranks. I've asked Battalion Chief Mike McClintock to come on in and talk about the Captain's Academy and what we're doing to fill, fill uh, and get some great captains. Thanks Mike. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, I'm going to be talking about our Captain's Academy. You've probably seen some stuff come through your email over the last couple months. We're really excited for the opportunity to change our process. To give you kind of background, we've been doing uh, the same Captain's process for the last probably 20 years, but I've been involved with it for the last four or five years, and we're only getting six to ten people out of each uh, Captain's test. So the downside to that, obviously, is that we're uh, retiring 10 people, we're promoting two to battalion chiefs, so really net negative. Our vacancies are around right in the mid-30s, and if we continue with our current process, we're going to be over 50 vacancies by 2023 with forecasted retirements, uh, OC retirements, and promotions. So 50 people uh, obviously is unsustainable for us to staff a department, so we're looking at change. So that brought our Captain's Academy. It comes um, I, I went through uh, all the local agencies of large size, uh, basically see what did they do to get captains up. So uh, I Orange County had the same problem that we have today uh, about three years ago and they went to a captain's academy where they do two 15 person academies each year. Now they're down to a very manageable number of vacancies. So uh, working with them, um, we kind of developed a plan with uh, Battalion Chief Gary Yeager and Bill Villarino in Westfall. And so our model is going to be a four-week academy starting in September 27th to October 22nd and uh, with a fifth week of testing. Uh, you'll see in your email a target safety um, event for an entrance evaluation coming up in August 18th and 19th. And the evaluation is really a good way um, for us as a captain's cadre to see uh, where our candidates candidates are and what information that we really need to uh, push uh, push forward or maybe uh, dive into a little further. The evaluation, like I said, is on the 18th and 19th of August, look at target safety. There is some makeup days the, on the 20th through the 22nd. 
Um, if you're going to be out of a town or you have extenuating circumstances, please, please go direct with uh, Bill Villarino or myself and we'll schedule a makeup test date direct. The goal is we need to have everyone tested and evaluated on, by August 23rd so we can push forward. Uh, we've had about 50 people interested in the process and if we get a large amount of folks that we're going to actually do two back-to-back -back academies. Like I said, it's going to be four weeks. You're going to be on DB for that entire process. You're going to be working nights, weekends, strike teams, etc. So uh, we're excited to uh, change the process. I think this is really, really going to help our captain rank. Uh, based on the numbers with retirements, promotions, and extra staffing, uh, by 2023 is we're seeing, um, we're forecasted at 15 vacancies. So we're going to go from 50 vacancies pretty much to 15 in a couple years with a pretty aggressive plan. And I think this is really going to uh, benefit our employees. Uh, the academy is a prerequisite to take the test and there's going to be a testing portion of it. Um, so you got to take the academy, the four week academy to uh, push forward with the captain's test. If you have any questions about studying, um, the testing process, the evaluation process, please reach out uh, to me via email or cell phone or captain uh, or Town Chief Bill Villarino, Jaeger, or Westfall. That's it. Thank you, Chief, and appreciate uh, Chief Jaeger and, and Westfall and yourself, Bill Villarino, working so hard on this Captain's Academy. We're excited for it and get that rank filled up. And thank you for doing such a great job when you've been assigned to admin. You're going to be going back to the floor. Today's my last day. Today's, Today's your last day? Last day. Thank you for what you do for us, Mike. As, as you're aware, our our fire marshal Mike Horton is off uh, with cancer himself going through treatment and so our prayers are with Mike. In the meantime our deputy fire marshal Adam Panos has stepped up as the interim fire marshal. I've asked Adam to be here and share you some information on what's going on in the fire marshal's office. Good afternoon everyone. Um, as Chief said we'll just share a little bit about what we do uh, in the fire marshal's office particularly this time of year with our illegal fireworks enforcement uh, operations that we do. So many of us are probably familiar with this, but we do our interdiction operation uh, there at the state line, uh, at the Interstate 15. And we do this in cooperation with uh, the state agencies as well as uh, other fire agencies in the area. And uh, we inspect vehicles for illegal fireworks, and then if we find them, we pull the vehicle to the side, we cite the driver, and then we confiscate the fireworks. Uh, this year we uh, had 99 citations that we wrote and we confiscated approximately 19,000 uh, pounds of illegal fireworks. And that was just uh, five weekends uh, throughout uh, the middle of May uh, through the middle of June. So it's a pretty successful program. We do see an uptick in the use and sales and, and transport of illegal fireworks each and every year. That's why we do this to try to make that impact in uh, that illegal activity. We also do our patrol operations and we did this uh, in cooperation with our law enforcement partners, uh, county sheriff as well as uh, three different police departments. And what we did is we patrol areas the last uh, week of June, the first week of July, we patrol areas for the use of illegal fireworks and we this year wrote 19 citations. These are administrative citations by the way. And we confiscated over 2,000 pounds of fireworks there. So if you do the math, uh, it's uh, over 20,000 pounds of illegal fireworks and 118 citations. That's $150,000 worth of fines uh, in administrative citations. That money comes back to us and indirectly funds our enforcement programs that we do. 
We're starting to use technology a lot more uh, in our operations. That's with uh, the aim to do community risk reduction, uh, to utilize our resources and deploy them where they achieve the greatest impact. So in doing this, and we've had uh, other folks involved in this, uh, uh, our assistant fire marshal Tom Strong, as well as ISD staff have helped develop a fireworks reporter app. Many of you are familiar with uh, that app because it's right on the front page of the website. So this year, through that uh, reporter app, 3,147, uh, so well over 3,000 reports were received just in a matter of three months. Uh, and so when those reports are received, if they're in our jurisdiction, they get assigned. If they're with, uh, they lie outside of our jurisdiction, they're forwarded over to uh, that AHJ. And when I say they're assigned, the ones in our jurisdiction, they're used to actually patrol areas where the, the, there's the greatest amount of activity. Uh, in some cases, those reports result in us visiting, uh, you know, serving a warrant, going to uh, a, a property and finding uh, someone selling illegal fireworks, maybe on a, a, an app such as OfferUp or LetGo or one of those, and we confiscate uh, hundreds if not thousands of pounds of fireworks and write the administrative citation. So that takes these fireworks off the street. But like I said, we, we just make a very small uh, impact, unfortunately, because this is a really a statewide problem. But uh, we spoke at a lot of uh, city council meetings as well as the Board of Supervisor meetings and uh, other community meetings because the community is outraged because this problem is getting uh, worse and worse every year. But we were able to tell them what County Fire is doing about the problem. We're not going to solve it, but we're doing the best we can and we're utilizing our resources as efficiently as possible. Uh, every year we have major incidents and uh, many of you know we've had major uh, uh, wildfire. One was in Hesperia. We've had other uh, uh, spot fires here and there. We had at least two significant burn injuries and we had one fire death, uh, burn uh, fireworks death. Those were all juveniles. They were all children. So it still continues to be a problem. So um, we appreciate the support of our executive staff in doing this operation. We have our uh, fire investigation unit now that um, we're, are more able to be focused on this operation as uh, our uh, non-sworn fire prevention staff and hazmat staff continue to support it. So, and if there's any questions, you can email me anytime and I'll have, be happy to answer those. Thank you. Thank you, Adam, I appreciate it. Chief Marshall was unable to be with us today, but he asked me to provide an update on strike teams and deployment. Right now, County Fire is covering two state stations, uh, in, Cal Fire stations in our jurisdiction, and we're providing dozer coverage. Now, we recognize that we have staffing challenges, and it's really hard to staff state stations, but it's an evaluation of um, what do we absolutely need to do to support the state of California. Right now we're in PL5, which is preparedness level five, which is, uh, which essentially means that we're at such a drawdown of resources in the United States, this is the lowest level. We're seeing many of our cooperators sending strike teams out to Northern California to other states to support the effort. Chief Marshall's made a conscious decision to keep our resources close, realizing the impacts on staffing but at the same time, the bare minimum that we should be doing is supporting these state stations, especially when they're in our jurisdiction. If we don't do it, then you're gonna see some of our cooperators in our jurisdiction covering these state stations. So it's not an easy st uh, 
easy decision to make, but it's one that Chief Marshall felt that he needed to make. As far as the dozer coverage, it actually works out really well for us. It puts our dozer operators on 24-hour shifts as they're covering that state mission. And then the vast majority of our fires, they're available for because there's gonna be some relationship to the SRA, the state responsibility area. In the region, we have seen some of our cooperators send out strike teams. There's been a lot of single resources that's gone out. Uh, again, we're keeping our resources close. Uh, we have had requests to send out our OES strike team, uh, a Charlie strike team, which we've declined in order to keep our personnel here. We're trying to give you as much rest as we can, keep everybody close, especially as we're getting through the next tower. Thank you for your patience as we're working through these staffing issues and what appears to be a pretty tough fire season again. Chad Mays came through and, and delivered $12 million in the state budget for a new fire station in Yucca Valley, Station 41. Now, while it says $12 million, the amount of money we actually get is something south of that. The state typically keeps 10% for administrative charges, so we're still looking at $11.8 million. We believe that an that a average fire station in today's dollars is going to be about $8 million to build, so as we're replacing uh, fire station 227, for instance, we're anticipating an $8 million cost. So this will give us a little bit more money for the Yucca Valley build. The, the money has to be spent in Yucca Valley. Uh, one, of the, one of the requests that we've had is that we have a big community room, a big training room at that facility, and that we develop architecture that really meets the character of the town of Yucca Valley. So uh, from a fire department's perspective, we're going to be able to meet that need and we're going to be able to plan out a fire station that will be sufficient in size to not only uh, host the crews that are there now, but be able to expand in the future. So we're very excited about that. Thank you, Assemblymember Mays, for assisting us with those efforts. No, we've talked about it a lot, but we have three other fire stations that we're looking at, uh, four different locations. That would be the Rosina Ranch Fire Station. We're exploring spots to put that fire station. This would be the first fire station we've had in a long time that would be new staffing. The biggest problem is every time we, we think we find a location, we find out that it's in a seismic zone and we're just not going to, uh, it's just going to be cost prohibitive to build there. It's in a flood zone or the lot's too small or there's, there's rare foliage or uh, some reason, but we're continuing to explore. We think we've got a good idea of where we can put a fire station working through that process. I know it's taken a long time. I wish that I could wave a magic wand and snap my fingers and have a station being built. I just can't. It's, it's just a process that we need to go through that has a lot of external factors. Fire Station 226 is moving forward. As I've mentioned before, the property is just north of the current location. Those are the properties we like to acquire. So we've approached both property owners. We've made offers. The property owners have come back with a counter offer and we're looking to finalize the deal. We're getting very close with that fire station. Fire station 227 is another one. We're doing a land trade with the city of San Bernardino to acquire parkland and then instead give them the current location where 227 sits. We're hoping to construct 226 and 227 at the same time. And then finally, the lot across the street from the current headquarters station in the North Desert, Station 302, that has been purchased. That is now ours, so now we can start the planning for rebuilding, or re, not rebuilding, constructing a headquarters station there in Hesperia. So we're very excited about that. I can't believe it, but it's, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. It seems like yesterday, I think the vast majority of us can remember exactly where we were when we heard that news. We can still remember going to the TV sets and watching the news footage of the towers coming down. 
Tracy Martinez is working with the County of San Bernardino to plan a Remembrance Day, a 20th Remembrance Day. This will be across the county is on a Saturday. Uh, we're absolutely going to make sure that every fire station is participating, but probably in their local area at their fire station. There may be one or two bigger events that are planned, but uh, I want to thank Tracy for her active involvement in that with the County of San Bernardino and also the county support and making sure that we recognize that event and the impacts that it had uh, on us all. Tracy, is there any questions that have come in that we can address? I know there was an ambulance company or question. A couple of while you're working on that, I do want to provide an apparatus update. Uh, Dale was going to come, but he uh, was unable to make it. He keeps great records and uh, sent us an update. Looks like we're going to have delivery at the end of the month for Medic Truck 224. That'll be a TDA. We're going to have a water tender for Division 6, water tender 304, brush engine 10, and a forklift is going to training by the end of the month. You're going to appreciate that, Captain Turner, I know. I've seen you guys loading some of those OSB on top of those uh, props. In Division 2 in October, they're going to have uh, Medic Truck 221, a TDA, coming. And then at the beginning of November, Medic Engine 77, Medic Engine 163, Medic Engine 2, Medic Engine 226, a four-wheel drive Medic Engine 14, and Medic Engine 36 will be arriving all in November of this year. Water Tender 53 is coming next July, so that's one year out. That PO's been cut and that's under construction right now. In addition, looks like uh, one, two, three, four ambulances that are coming next year. And in October of this year, we'll have Brush Engine 26, Brush Engine 232, and a few other staff vehicles, box vehicles, for our divisions. The purchases that are coming in fiscal year 21-22, that's the one that just started, this fiscal year just started here in July. In the fall, we'll have one, two, three, four, five, six more type ones. That'll be 81, 227, 228, 229, 232, and 42. Approvals or POs that are being cut last week was water tender four and water tender 32. So they'll be coming next year. Two squads for Fontana, 72 and 78, and some other miscellaneous equipment, including four ambulances and three Type 3s. So I want to thank everybody that's been involved in this apparatus purchase. Um, recently, we had to cut back a little bit on how we were supporting the apparatus team. Um, we were paying portal to portal as they traveled to do the inspections on the apparatus and unfortunately, human resources notified us that we were in violation of some laws and we could not continue to do that. But we still want to support the team. I know that um, there's a few members or, or that have resigned from the apparatus committee because of this issue. And I, I want to let you know that I understand and I want to thank you for your efforts because you've delivered a great spec for County Fire and you've made us proud. We're going to continue to work forward with this process to make sure that we're supporting our team we just need to make sure that we're doing it legal and, and ethically correct. So I want to thank the members that have been involved in that. Tracy? So we have a couple questions that have come from the AL rank. They're a little bit extensive. So is County Fire moving forward with the implementation of basic life support ambulances instead of forcing medics to work increased days? 
for instance, a medic gets forced to a seventh day, can an ambulance have an EMT forced into that paramedic spot so the paramedic can go home? It's a great question. So Chief Barn has set up a process where the ambulance operator paramedics can be continuous recruitment, but that's not going to be available for a couple of months. One of the events that's going to occur is the tower. And several of our ambulance operator paramedics are entering the tower. So at that point, we expect to be at drawdown on our ambulance operator paramedics again. We anticipate that this will result in force hires. So Chief Parn is thinking ahead of it. One of the solutions that he's come up with, and he's starting conversations with labor and uh, human resources is uh, with ISIMA, is what if uh, two of our ambulances, instead of being ALS, we temporarily made them BLS during this time period. So as he's working out a plan, I know he's going to reach out and communicate, but that is a possibility that proactively two ambulances will be identified and will be basic life support for a short amount of time. Now, if this occurs, it'll be well communicated. He'll have a plan in place. He'll make sure that he's talking over operations to the team. He'll make sure he's meeting with the employees so that everybody's familiar with how those ambulances would operate and the workflow. Of course, we don't want to do this. We want to have advanced life support ambulances. We just need to get to the point where we have that continuous recruitment for the ambulance operator paramedics. So this is part, possibly part of the solution to bridge that gap. Next question. With the AO program being a stepping stone to a career in the fire service, how can we better accommodate time off for personnel so they have the ability to test, interview, or even apply? With the current staffing situation, personnel are being forced and unable to advance their careers within our own department or with other departments? So I think I, I saw this question earlier and I, I was able to talk to Chief Barna about that. And he said, no, we, we are going to honor time off in order to test. The cradle to career is really important to us. We want to make sure that you're successful in your career and that you're preparing yourself. He said, we are honoring those time requests, but what we need to do is make sure we go through the chain of command and request that time off. If for some reason you've made that request and you're denied, uh, please let Chief Barna know I know that he's very accessible, send him a text, give him a call, or, or shoot him an email so that he can support you. But we want you to have the time off to develop your career. It's very valuable to us as you're, you're preparing yourself, those of you that want to go to, to firefighter paramedic, or, but we also want to support you personally and your families as you better yourselves. So the only other question we have is, um, where do we send flowers or a card to Chief Horton and his family? So I can little bit answer that we will put that out in an email I'll talk to Chief Horton thank you Tracy I appreciate that and and um, thank you for whoever sent that question in and again we appreciate those that have been developed have been donating mail leave to our personnel that have been off sick injured um, when, when you're off it can be very lonely I've been there myself in my career reach out to those that are off especially if they're if you supervise them they're they're in your command if you work with them, just, tell them, just let them know that you're thinking about them and um, give them encouragement. And uh, thank you again for, for the benevolence that you show every single day for those that are off duty. That's going to wrap up our, our conversation. As always, you can send Tracy Martinez questions or up through your chain of command. We want to make sure we're having good communication with you. I want to thank Captain Turner for his leadership and for being here. And for Mike McClintock and those that have been helping with the captains development. I think all of these pieces together are really coming up as a strong plan to ensure that we're not only um, 
creating a great culture, but we're creating a great learning environment. We're going to produce great employees and that we're going to be able to meet some of the staffing deficiencies that we have today. Thank you very much. This has been County Fire Insight for Thursday, July 15, 2021.